What's good, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Craig, a.k.a. The Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead. And today, I have a very special guest for another interview in the interview series that I've been doing. She is a comic book writer, producer, if I'm right. And, (laughs) And overall, she is a very fun person i'm going to butcher her name y'all i'm sorry but please introduce to you Lori calcaterra that's correct hey, good job I got it. first try yeah good job <laughs> so how are you doing i'm good and i'm excited to be on here thank you so much for uh hosting me on your on your podcast i appreciate it oh no problem i have to thank all of the guests that's been on here because you Y'all, you guys have made it very fun for me for doing this podcast. So I thank you. So no problem. <laughs> so like, tell us a little bit about your, about yourself, because I remember when we were talking, you said you had started in production at first. Yeah. Well, let me even back up before that. So I started martial arts in 1997. So I've been doing martial arts uh, since <laughs> for 25 years now. And in about I think it was 2016, 2017, I got involved with a production company in Detroit called Coattail Collective, and I was choreographing fight scenes for them. So they do like music videos and short films. They were actually working on their first um, full-length feature at that time. So we got involved with them right around that time. And uh, so what, you know, we were doing some choreography and then myself and my teammates on my fight team, we were like, we can do this ourselves. So um, I wrote us a short film and with the intention of of it being just like a a demo reel, you know what I mean? Just to kind of showcase some of the things that we could do. So we did like some gun disarms. We did a wall run. um, We did an extended knife fight. uh, You know, I ran, I ran Taki over with a car. Like (laughs) 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 we had a lot of fun. It's like, it ended up being seven minutes of just straight up action, which um, if you know anything about movies and, and action, that's a long fight scene. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it was so great. And at that time, I was a client and then they brought me on as part of the um, production team. So I was working with them and I was now writing content. Uh, they had a uh, web channel, but basically like a YouTube channel that I, they were going to start producing all sorts of different kinds of shows. And the one that I wrote was like a spy drama called The Agency. There was a lot of Again, a lot of fights um, because that's kind of like where I, I enjoy, you know what I mean? Like, so there was um, twists and there was backstabbing and then fights in every episode. It was a lot of fun. Oh. Um, we actually filmed the pilot, but right around the time we were going to do reshoots, uh, my family got relocated to Texas. So we never really completed that project, but that's kind of how it goes. Um before we moved, I had actually started writing this project under a different name, Dead West, and um, <laughs> just had this crazy idea. What would the world be like if the dead didn't die? So kind of like a zombie situation, but a little different because my zombies are just people. But it's like if your body were to die, but your, your soul is stuck in your body, so you're in your body as it decays, which to me is horrifying. Oh, so it's kind of like I'm probably going to show my nerdiness here, but Do it's it. kind, of, but it's kind of like those um, 
it's kind of like the king and his people from um lord of the rings how like they were taking like well they were technically ghosts but like they were kind of in like in the they're kind of in between the living and the dead yeah and how they get like corrupted right yeah so that's kind of it's similar okay. more more realistic you know what i mean where it's like um like if you had a a brain injury you know what oh. i mean so so oh. you're stuck in your body your body is no longer alive everything starts to decompose so your brain is decomposing so again we have this population of people that start to experience memory loss or violence or indifference um, and they're just very unpredictable. And there's no way to avoid becoming part of this group, right? Right. Because it, you could die at any age, right? You can be any gender, any, any ethnicity, any race, you will be part of this group. So something happened to break the death process. So where we start our story, um, we're following a cowboy named Jude St. Clair through the apocalypse. We're 10 years into the apocalypse and he's not complacent. So, I mean, 10 years into a crisis, people have pretty much moved on, right? Right. They're, they're just looking to survive. Um, he can't let go. He has to know the answer. What started this and can he set it right? So I'll take you through... Um, you know, kind of where the we are in the apocalypse, and then we'll have like a flashback where Jude uh, obviously was pre-apocalypse because he's older than ten. Um, so you get to see the apocalypse and like the fallout and the, the um, decay of society, and the, there's riots and unrest and famine and social uh, everything, everything. So you'll get to experience all of that through Jude, and then follow him to see if he can survive long enough to get the answer. So. Oh, that that sounds really interesting. Plus, I'm a sucker for post-apocalyptic stories. Yes. Like, Me too. I can count like 10 on my, <laughs> my hands right now like that have influenced all my work. So it's just amazing. Like Mad Max, I Am Legend, Low, East of West, you know, it, it, I can go on. But <laughs> my point is, is that's kind of where I live too. Like I play Fallout. Oh, um, we're going to be yeah, best friends. Yeah, Last of Us. Yes, we can. We're going to be better because I, I have played fallout new vegas and fallout 3 to my controller had disintegrated in my hands from how much i play oh, it <laughs> fallout 4 is my jam that's one that one's my favorite with um the institute and oh yeah uh, yeah yeah that one so um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna backtrack a little bit so yeah. you said that you started off as a martial artist yes which, which area of martial arts did you did you um specialize in Okay. Um, I started out in Penchak Silat, which is an Indonesian um, based martial art. It's a weapons based uh -huh. martial art. Um, so I did that since 1997. I have never stopped practicing. I've also done um, Pekiti Tersha, Screma, Kali, and currently I have a teacher in the Kali's Illustrissimo system. Um, so very weapons heavy, um, blunt weapons, uh, bladed weapons, multiple hands, multiple opponents. Um, it's a whole lot of fun. It's to me, it's um, playing chess. You know what right. I mean? But it's also emotional and physical. So I'm trying to think three moves ahead, you know, but yeah. I also think, you know, women's self-defense is so important these days. So I, I have some stuff on my Instagram where I, prom I promote um, some weapons manufacturers. So friends of mine that go went into weapon making. So I have like 
a, a custom made crown bit from one of my friends. And then um, my good friend, Brian, uh, makes these hairpins for women, which are really cool because you can wear it in your hair and it's a freaking spike that you can protect yourself oh, wow. with. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, like I've always said that, especially like women, I feel like there needs to be some self-defense because me, I, I train in Wing Chun myself. And I always yeah, advocate cool. when somebody, when somebody, when like a woman was to ask me, well, what martial art do you think I should learn? Like, well, Wing Chun is perfect because it's more about because it's more about the trans the transferring of of energy and like it's yeah. really it's really meant for people small for smaller people and i'm a short five foot four black guy so it worked right, out right. it worked out perfect I, for me right and that's kind of why i i gravitated towards weapons is because the weapon is the ultimate equalizer yeah um i don't have to be bigger or stronger than anybody I, I have to understand how to use my body mechanics in order to fight effectively. But right. I mean, um, I can beat a boxer if I have a knife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, I think that women should take whatever art interests them. Just take yeah. something. Because take people something. are crazy. People are crazy people nowadays. People are crazy. You know, learn how to shoot a gun. Understand how they work. You know, just for the fact that if, if one is in front of you, you know, the mechanics of it you know right. um yeah there's just i could go on for hours on this <laughs> oh yeah i love like the three things i love martial arts comic books and and um video games but yes. i don't but like also another thing i think is i think uh martial arts it probably it probably helped you as well because one thing that martial arts does teach you it teaches you um mental discipline it like that's yes so and like for what you for what you are doing now it takes a lot of mental discipline because i'm pretty sure you're a creative and you probably get like this but creatives are mostly scatterbrained <laughs> we are we are <laughs> um but i think i think you're right the martial arts has taught me a few things that i have you know used in order to to try and be successful one is um you know discipline as well because I, you know, there's so many ways that you can fail at a creative project, you know, any kind of, I don't know, mistake or failure. And it's like, it's very easy to be like, this is too hard. I quit, you know, but that's, that's kind of what I learned from martial arts is it's, it's a process. You have to be disciplined and you have to keep at it um, in order to be successful. So same thing with this comic, I've been working on it for, I don't know, since 2018, either writing the script and um, reworking the script and looking for artists, finding the right one, and then um, learning about Kickstarter and having right. to set a budget. And I mean, there was just a, a, a giant learning curve that had to happen in order to, to be where we are now, which is Kickstarter ready. Right. So if it wasn't for that, like understanding that you can make mistakes and that's okay, just keep going. <laughs> like, right. Stand up and keep going. That's kind of like, been ingrained in me so i yeah. think martial arts for that <laughs> <laughs> so i have um i have a question and you can choose to answer or not so i saw that like you work with with a production company like you were like choreographing choreographing fights and short films or whatnot now yes. as we know america america can tend to be both racist and sexist did you ever did um did you ever like face any type of like 
like prejudice due to your due to your gender and whatnot or was everybody cool i think i was blessed to get in with them at the right time they um just embraced me and the fact that i yeah and i mean like one of their main directors is um female her name is jazar riches and i love her to death um she came on and directed our uh catfishing short film um and we just had a, a good rapport together so um i never felt that my gender or my race ever was a problem um especially because i have a wealth of knowledge and uh not only that i have a um a really big network so you know being in martial arts for 25 years and doing all these different um arts within filipino and indonesian martial arts i have a a vast team of people where i'm like yeah you know hey you're you're choreographing this what do you want your fight to look like oh you want someone that does kung fu i have someone that does kung fu that i'm you know familiar with and they can coach your actors or choreograph this for you you know if it's something where they wanted to do like uh brazilian jiu-jitsu i know people for that so right. it's like it, it it was more about um a team mentality and then setting up to to win you know everybody was really supportive they're still really supportive um That's a lot good. of them are following my comic book even though they're in michigan i'm in texas and it's two different mediums we're still connected so yeah. I mean, like, I was really lucky with this production company. They're wonderful, and I can just speak wonders on them. If, well, you, if you're ever in Detroit and you need somebody, look up Coattail Collective. I got awesome. you. I got you. <laughs> and that's and that's actually good to hear because one thing about like like the like the film industry, just any industry of media, is it sucks to say, but women still have to jump through hoops and hurdles sometimes, and it sucks. But I'm glad that you didn't have to do none of that because you were, you, you had prepared yourself accordingly and you have people supporting you, which I well, feel like. <laughs> when people see me move that a lot of times I scare people too. <laughs> they're, like, <laughs> they're all scared of me. They're like, we don't want to say nothing to Lori because she's going to beat us up. I'm like, I'm just a nice person. Just because I carry a knife doesn't mean I'm going to stab anybody. <laughs> hey, well, you know, sometimes so, sometimes uh, intimidation is good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it worked in my favor, but I never, yeah, I never had to uh, to bring out the weapons. So it's good. <laughs> All right. So uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Like what, what was young Lori like? Uh, <laughs> young Lori was exactly the same. I loved all the same stuff. Um, you know, I, I like, you know, video games, movies, comic books. We used to watch X-Men on Saturday morning and He-Man and you know what I mean? And then on top of that, it's like, uh, I was always the kid. There's three of us. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And I was always the one pushing to go to like the haunted houses. Oh, <laughs> we no. go on vacation. Yeah, that was oh, me. No. Could it and be my me? mom was like, my mom was like, why do you want to go to these things? But I would always make everybody go and everybody would get mad at me, but I'd have a blast going through the haunted house. Um, so like a zombie apocalypse is just like the continuation from my childhood. Like Halloween, everybody, you know, when you're little, it's like little girls are, I'm a princess, I'm a cheerleader. Um, I was always the dead cheerleader or the <laughs> dead princess or <laughs> trying to zombify myself from age seven and forward. So I have a ton of uh, Halloween pictures to prove that I've been uh, this way forever. Um, <laughs> I just I just gravitate towards that kind of content. So but I love like the good story. 
Okay. Sorry, that's yeah. a different tangent. I'll just I won't jump. Oh no, you're fine. I'm I'm also that way too. I need. Well, I don't know. I I have I have two modes. I have what I like to call the, the movie theater popcorn buster mode, where I can just yeah. watch mindless things. Because if you ask anybody, I love watching bad movies, but they gotta be. Yes. They gotta be so bad that they're good, though. They gotta be so bad that they're good but i also love things with good storytelling like i right i like my i like the batman the most because i finally got to see batman be a detective once and yeah I like, instead of just <laughs> yeah instead of you know, technology just, yeah all these gadgets that's not he's the world's greatest detective that's who he is yeah but like uh, but also one thing so you said you like stories so is yes. that is that what drove you into pursuing production or how did that come about? How, how did your pursuit of product of producing come about? That one, was just kind of an accident. I was working at a company in Michigan and one of my coworkers at the time um, had taken a few photography classes and she was familiar with the um, head of photography at Coattail Collective. And they were, they were filming a music video that had a fight scene. And her and I had been talking about how I was teaching martial arts at, I don't know, school at a certain night of the week, whatever. And um, she was like, you know, they're looking for someone to choreograph this fight scene. They need help. They're, they're looking for extras or something like that. So I just kind of like took it upon myself to introduce myself. I'm like, hello, this is me. Um, this is what I do. I have a big network. And they were like, come on down or like, let's meet and let's talk. So that's how it all started. Um, we were in Royal Oak at Kurt Cornwell's school, and it was me and Kurt and Taki that were talking with um, with the production company and just kind of showed them like what we could do when we were moving around and they were like, we love you. And so that's how it just kind of, we fell into it, you know? So it was just, it's weird coincidence sometimes. Hey, well, sometimes everything, everything goes as planned. Right. Okay. But if it wasn't for them, I would have never considered writing. Right, right. And speaking of writing, how, mm-hmm. what made you think of making your comic book? Like, like, what was the, like, what was, like, what was the moment when you woke up and said, you know what? I want to make a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote, when I started writing the story, I just had this idea of what would happen if the dead wouldn't die like and again again in my world it's not just people that this happens to it's um animals insects plants nothing fish nothing so it's like your body will die but your spirit is stuck inside so you are decomposing it's gross like that that to me is horrifying to be stuck in a body as it's decomposing so i started writing this script and i came up with this character and he was trying to discover, you know, what happened to, to the world that it, this, this death process got broken because something had to have shifted in order for that to just all of a sudden be fine one day and then start the next day. So I went through that and I kind of did the world building first. I decided like, okay, this is how it works and here's some of the technology. Um, and then I was like, well, what would happen to this population if they started to become unpredictable? How would and like, how would people and how would um, government and other entities react to that? So I started writing like the fall of society and stuff like that. So 
I had built all that. And then I worked in like um, Jude's kind of path through this world and how he um, is in, you know, searching. So I had it just on like three by five cards. <laughs> so I could like rearrange it and like change the order. I could add things without having to do like a massive rewrite. So I had everything. And I kind of was talking about my idea with um, some other people at the production company. And they were like, why haven't you written this down, Lori? And I was like, no, no, I probably should. <laughs> so that was like the first step was like writing it down and actually making one cohesive story. And then I was like, well, what do you, what do you do with it? Like I have this full length movie, but I can't, we can't produce this. This will be millions of dollars. Um, right. So I was just kind of lost. I maybe for a whole year, just between writing it and trying to decide what to do. And I, I didn't really let anybody read it. Um, I just kind of reread it and worked on it for a while. And finally, my husband was like, okay, hand it over. <laughs> Here I am obsessing over it, you know, changing this. And I'm like picking his brain. What would you do if blah, blah, blah. And he was like, let me read it. So he read the whole thing in a course of like um, a couple of days, which is pretty quick. And he was like, this, this is a comic book series. And I was like, light bulb turned on. I was like, you're right. I don't know why we, I didn't think of that because we read all sorts of comics, you know, right. we're, we're big into image comics, you know, like Saga and Low and I mean, like, all, Walking Dead, um, Invincible, anything Robert Kirkman is wonderful, um, you know, Dark Horse comics, any of the, like, Batman is our favorite, you know, um, I follow a lot of different Marvel, like um, the Infinity War series, right? <sighs> Frank Miller, Watchmen, I, I, we've just read them all, and it just didn't dawn on me, like, oh yeah, I should turn this into a comic book. <laughs> and, it, it, and that's why, you know, you rely on my, my husband, but like your partner sometimes can be the most, um, help you get past yourself, you know, right, where right. you're hung up, like, I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden they look at you like, hello, dummy, it's a comic book. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. So that was probably 2019, maybe 2020, early 2020. Okay. We had decided, you know, because we have backed a lot of Kickstarter um, campaigns. Like we have the Sisyphus Table, we have Kingdom Death Monster, um, we just got Berserker. Like we we back a lot of things on Kickstarter, so we're very familiar with that. We have never run a campaign before, but my husband's like, yeah, just take it to Kickstarter. They're big on comics, and we'll find an artist and we'll go from there. So that's kind of what we decided to do. And then it was like all these doors open. But there was so much learning that had to happen in order to get where we are today. <laughs> right. right. Still learning. Yeah, because so. I did not notice this while I was trying to make my own, but the comic book industry is a whole nother beast. Yes. Like I was just went because at first I thought like, oh, you just write the comic, then you draw the comic. Like, no, there's more steps to that dummy. Is and it yeah. just it's just so crazy because when I started doing my research on comics, I'm like, people always have made fun of, you know, comic book nerds. Like, I look at a lot of these properties. Like, a lot of these properties have been comics turned into shows and movies. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, I did not realize how big the comic book, like, world is. Because at first, I didn't really get into comics uh, up until... Like, I was in the comics a little bit when I was a kid, 
but like I really started getting in mm-hmm. comics more when I was making my own money and yes. I was able to buy my own comics. I did not know that at first The Walking Dead was a comic and they're like, wow, I did. <laughs> I was just used to reading the kitty comics. So I like, oh, yeah. these comics are violent. <laughs> yes. And then like when you find one and you get like latched onto it, and then it's like, you can't stop reading them. Oh, that's you know? They just, um, and then when digital comics came out, like Image Comics has a, as an app and you can download their stuff every week. And it's like, ha ha ha, kid in a candy store, right? Oh, yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just push a button and download it. Uh, that's trouble. Yeah, like <laughs> that's how it was with Batman for me. Cause I tell everybody, I tell everybody all the time, excuse my language, but I am the biggest Batman bitch that there is. Oh man, the killing joke changed my life. That that one series, I was just like, it's so dark, but so powerful. You know, how he wrote that and like the message behind it. And like it gave us um another view of like Joker's Joker's uh you know backstory. And um it was just so good. You know, stuff like that, it'll get you. And it's just like that's part of you now. Yeah, like you know? I don't know why people hate on batman Bat- batman has some of the greatest some of the greatest st- comic book stories like yes i don't know how you can hate on nightfall or the long halloween Mm-mm. or batman year one so see like i can just go on all day but like, we're even going the to... animated series are, are so good oh yes you know? i love the anime series and speaking of anime series deep segue me into my next question <laughs> what was your favorite series to watch growing up Comic growing book. up and, yes well i would say x-men for sure okay um, but if you want to choose like um i didn't start watching anime until probably when i was in college but um um attack on titan uh is like number one in my book and i'm still trying to slog through the last season on Crunchyroll is just so difficult when it like lags and I get angry and I just oh. throw my phone. Um, I'm like, come on, I don't need to watch the same commercial four times. Give me what's next. Oh, see, I got that premium. I, I couldn't do it no more. I, just, <gasps> I caved. Yeah, in. I know. I think they do that on purpose. You know what I mean? Watch the same commercial with Shaq and the general like four <laughs> times in a row. So that way you just get sick of it and then do premium, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, um, just, just so many I can't even, I'm having a, my brain just stopped thinking, but yeah, like um, reading the anime too. Like I, um, when I got caught up to the series, I was like, this is a manga. I can go get it. So then I started going to the public library and like me as a grown adult, I would get books for my two girls. <laughs> and then I would go to the youth section and start picking up anime. Um, I read Alita, you know, Battle Angel that way. And like, there's just, yeah, yeah, yeah anime <laughs> I, I, for sure. Death good. Note, like well, the first time I read, I, I watched Death Note. It was just that. That's another one where it's like it's so cerebral, and you're like, oh my gosh, how do they get out of this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> see, and that's one thing I never got when I was growing up. Because as a kid, a lot of kids would get picked on for watching the animes and whatnot, and like it all because I guess because it was something that they were into. I don't know, kids yeah. are little assholes, but yes, <laughs> but not. Dude, not I didn't fit in either, so yeah, <laughs> I didn't fit. I'm I'm a five foot four black man. I I was not fitting in nowhere either. But then when <laughs> I got older, I realized you can geek out and nerd out about anything, really. So I was, yeah. 
but I think life, what it I think what it is life is, is too short right yeah I mean be your weird self enjoy it I think what it is what I'm seeing now with this whole pandemic situation everybody wants to feel like they belong or they want to be part of what society deems as like like the most popular right now and you know for back when I was a kid back when I was a a little kid, like a little 10 year old boy in like the in the 90s or, or really early 2000s um it wasn't it wasn't normal so people got picked on but now now that I'm older yeah. I see everybody is reading comics and watching anime like I wonder what I really wonder what changed I don't know to be honest with you I've always been into this same stuff as well um I I was the one girl in a, in a group of guys in high school that, you know, we could play magic cards and watch <laughs> nerdy movies and, and nobody judged. So yeah. yeah, that's just, you know, how it was back then. And now it's like, we're still all friends and we can all be nerds and enjoy it. And, but I also, like, it, yeah, I also think that it's this newer generation because Gen, even though Gen Z has its problems, but they also have shown people it's okay to be who you are. People will accept yes. you. That's why, like, even though there are some aspects like I don't agree with, like, like um, I'm glad that that the LGBTQ community has a voice now because you know mm -hmm. back in back in the early 2000s and the 90s, they really there didn't have no a voice. they didn't have a right. voice. So I do, I do like that. And going on to my next question, do you feel that um, the LGBTQ community is represented properly in mainstream comics? And like, I'm referring to them making Tim Drake bisexual or them making, um, um, I forgot, Superman's son, but uh, Connor, or I think it's Connor. Is it Connor? It might be Connor, but they made him bisexual. Yeah do you you know do here's you my, feel here's my problem <laughs> when you take a character that has canonically not been right bisexual or you know why turn why can't there be original characters i was saying that have always been thing. that way I was, and they need to be represented by people who are trans you know transsexual bisexual whatever whatever you identify as we need those people to tell those stories because me as a white woman, I can't tell that story. I'm right. married with two kids, but it, it would seem not authentic to me. Right. And I think that sometimes um, large companies, I won't name names, like to jump on the bandwagon and they make changes to characters that are unnecessary. And it's just because they're trying to cash grab into a market. And I don't know if they're thinking like, yeah, we want to be more um, inclusive, which I get, but do it the right way. Right. Give these, give, let these people, anybody who wants to tell a story, let's be inclusive. Let them tell their story. It's kind of like, um, you know, like whitewashing in Hollywood. It's like, there's, there's actors <laughs> that are, the, you know, the race or gender, or, you know what I mean? That can do a good job that are, they can play these parts, but yet it's like, we see the same faces over and over again. And Hollywood doesn't want to either take a risk or I don't know what they're trying to bankroll on popular names, but it's like the stories can be told. We just have to 
let them be told the right way. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, when it came to Tim Drake, them making him bisexual, I like, mm-hmm. I really, I, I didn't mind it because if you read the comics, Tim Drake, he's always been like, he's always been that way. Well, not really <laughs> been that way, but he's, he's the more, he's like the more out of the Bat family, he's the one that discovers himself the most. Like, I would mm-hmm. say he's the one that's most in tune with his feelings besides Dick Grayson. I didn't really mind that, but Superman's son, I like, I feel like y'all did that just to do that. And I'm like, just a cash grab. Yeah, just a cash grab. And that's one thing I've always, I'm not going to say the company's name, but that's one thing I've always right. had a problem with that company is because they look at the other side and they see that they're being inclusive, but they're going about it the right way. Like they're actually bringing, they actually make new characters that's part of that community some of them might they might not all be good books but that they're still original characters that somebody can cling to because when i was they they also need to be like fleshed out yeah you know what i mean like don't create this this flat character that the only thing remarkable about them is that they're bisexual like that could be a part of their their backstory but it doesn't it shouldn't be what defines the comic right yeah you know what i mean because I tell people all the time because people like I got into an argument with this one person and said, well, well, why there need, need to be a lot of gay people and trans people in comics? Like, OK, listen, I'm putting it from my perspective. When I was a kid, a lot of the comic books I read, they didn't have people with the same skin tone or hairstyle mm-hmm. as me. So when stat when I when I discovered Static Shock, that became my favorite character because he was he was a, he was a young black kid like me who didn't fit in not only because of he was black but also because he got met he got superhuman powers and that was just mm-hmm. interesting to me because I get the, I projected myself on static shock and it's important like I, I'm th- people that always re- see themselves represented they're not going to get it because they always see themselves in the, in the media like right. It- like even the thing is, is like homosexual people, bisexual people, transgender people have been with us yeah, always. Yeah, most definitely. So <laughs> why are they not in well, media? They should be. So, is it, you know, the same thing with, like you said, with race. It's like, how come there's like, how long did it take us to have a Black Panther movie? <laughs> ex- ex- exactly. Oh, and then like, even though like, even though like um Black Panther isn't my favorite movie, I must say. I really enjoyed the movie and it was an important yeah. movie. It's, it's it an was impo- done really well. Yeah, it was it was done really well. Like I said, I have I have my qualms about Black Panther because like just from a technical aspect, because even though it's even though I love Black Panther, it still falls up under that same formula that that company does. But yeah. I really but I really enjoyed it and it brought a lot of people together. Like there's people I went to the theater, it was old 90-year-old black woman that said. I'm here to see Black Panther. Like, do you know who that is? He said, no. But it brought, but it brought it brought black people together. And I wish that Shang-Chi would have did the same for the Asian community, but we were still in a pandemic at the time. And now we're getting yeah. Kamala, now we're going to get Miss Marvel or Kamala Khan. Right. So I really do enjoy I'm, I love the state of I, I love the state of comics now because there's a lot there's a lot of inclusiveness 
like there's a there's a character for everyone now and i think that's why i've always gravitated towards comics because comics is a media where the artists can express themselves on how they feel about the world or what's going on with their personal life right so well i think that's a, a smart statement i think any any time we look at a, a medium like i'm gonna say horror movies it's very telling about what's going on in that generation by what's being produced right so for example in the 50s we were all afraid of nuclear right so now we have um godzilla movies we have mothra you know what i mean like we have right. all these characters that were um irradiated giant mutated um animals coming after people you know and it's like you skip forward um to the 60s we have like a bunch of zombies that started we have zombies zombies go through time right right they've been around and they go through time but then it's like then we have like slasher and we have technology we have um you know people being afraid of like we had contagion we had pendant we had um apocalypse movies like 2012 deep impact um you know what i mean like we go through phases of different types of of action and horror movies and it's interesting to me you know what what are people afraid of and that says right. something about us as a culture but that's just horror movies but again same thing with comics what's being produced is a good representation of how people are feeling and it's nice to see that we're giving that voice to more and more people you know so they can share that story because like you said representation matters people want to right. have their they want to see themselves in that character they want to feel like they too can be that superhero and live vicariously you know even for a short period get out of whatever world they're living in and again right. and be taken out of it into something more fantastic right so that's why i write and it, you know for me uh, apocalypse is kind of what where i live and it's like experiencing that and under you know understanding how people are and what problems would be created if the world of path of the pale rider existed you know, right. you know, um, I myself am a, am a meat eater, um, but in that world, could we still eat meat if animals didn't die? Oh, yeah. It's like you go to butcher a cow and it's still moving. You can't. Wow. I you, never thought of now that you said that. I didn't think about that. Right. So <laughs> even if you could butcher it, would the meat still be moving when you ate it? Oh, wow. That's actually very interesting. So, you know what I mean? So it can get pretty in-depth um, how far you want to take this world. But it's like insects. Insects, you know, I see as maybe a lower form of intelligence. So they're really good at doing just a couple things, like a couple tasks. And one of them, of course, is eating. So now we have a swarm of undead crickets, locusts, you know, that all they wanted, they think they still have to eat. You can't use pesticides right? Because right. they're undead. It won't do anything. So now do we have crops? Do we have, so it creates all these, um, how I want to say, they create dilemmas, just dilemmas, issues for, you know, on top of everything else that's going on, you know, um, right. man, that is uh, also, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Jason. I was, no, I was just agreeing like that is amazing. You might have just got you a new Kickstarter because now I, Cause now just you explain that is I'm just imagining 
how I'm just imagining what it would be like to live in that world and what your right. protagonist has to go through because another thing I wanted to ask you so what is some of your inspirations for your main for your protagonist um okay so he's he's very complicated um so he's a cowboy I kind of liked the old spaghetti western uh Clint Eastwood oh I was just look. about to ask like man with no of name course. <laughs> of course you know the good the bad and the ugly um there's a whole there's a Clint Eastwood movie called the pale rider by the oh, way oh really yeah and if you do you know what the pale rider is I see I'm you might take my movie card away but the only two, <laughs> the only two movies I've seen was um wow what's the something dollars I forgot fistful of dollars it was fistful, fistful of of, it was fistful of dollars and it was I forgot oh see it's been so long since I've seen that movie yeah so I'm not very versed in Clint Eastwood movies but I have seen them okay so the pale rider um is actually something biblical so there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? I know that, so you have, yeah. Right? So you have right. um, war, famine. Um, there's the Antichrist. And then the last one is uh, death. And death rides a pale horse. So the whole title of my series is called Path of the Pale Rider because it's like we're trying to find death. You know what I mean? What happened with death? So Jude, you know, Jude could also be the pale rider because he's a white man riding a horse into the... <laughs> into the sunset <laughs> looking for things so there's a couple different you know interpretations but um the other thing about jude saint jude is actually the patron saint of lost causes right so jude saint Clair is kind of on this unsolvable mission to go figure out what happened to this world and he has this journal and he's been writing down conspiracy theories so he you know, is it um, chemical? Is it a meteorite from space? Is it aliens? Is it the rapture? It could be anything. And I mean, like when the dead don't die, nothing can really be discounted, right? right. <laughs> At that point, anything could be true. So that's kind of what he's been doing for 10 years. Um, one of the big challenges of this world is that sound sound so uh, it's a challenge in the comic anyway because here you have this medium that there's no sound right and we're trying to communicate if things are loud or quiet but in the world itself things can be so loud they're deafening or they can be you know you have to um maintain a level of silence because everything can come get you so if you go to my kickstarter preview page i give you eight pages where you can see the what the comic looks like um and there's a scene where jude and his horse prince are on this cliff they're on a road it's a dilapidated road um so one side it falls down onto a cliff and the other side is a cliff going up so there's really no um exit off of this road and when they get there there's a big old sign that used to say dead end and it's spray painted over instead of end it says bear so the sign says dead bear right so that right there is a big warning um so he he and prince prince is kind of like his roach <laughs> to the witcher <laughs> oh, um yeah. so they have this conversation she doesn't talk but they have this conversation um and they decide to go on this road and he puts shoes on her he puts these soft soled shoes so that way you can't hear her footsteps 
Right. Because if there is something that's undead, they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Okay. So they go down this road and you see something glint in the background. And this is the first time you see that there is actually zombies in this world. So there's a person smashed under a, a boulder and their arm is sticking out from underneath this boulder and it has something in its hand. And Jude uh, wrenches it out of the zombie hand. It goes flying in the air and he risks his life to jump and catch this glass. Um, it has some significance, but I'm not really going to go into that because I don't want to spoil anything. I got you. Um, so he's he gets this glass and he's looking at it like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. That was so dumb. And then um, these birds start cawing and it kind of like uh, makes him realize what he did was not only super stupid, but like he should have been quiet. And what is he doing? So he hastily puts the glass in his uh, saddlebag and they go around this curve and there's all these crows that are flying in that direction and he gets around this curve and there is this dead bear and it's taking up the entire road so if he and prince want to continue on their path they have to go over this bear okay so they sneak up to it they they go over it it's like oh they have this moment of relief and then prince trips on a hole in this in the road and of course this glass that jude just picked up he made the decision to get this glass it shatters and it wakes up the bear oh so we add the last page the page number eight is this splash page of jude with this oh shit look on his face <laughs> and then this giant bear just standing behind him roaring and it's like this undead bear with its eye missing and its throat open and you can see its bones and its teeth and it's it's great like my my um illustrator is so good and I just kind of let him run with it where I was like, hey, you can be as gory as you want to be because it's not for kids. So have fun. Oh, and yeah. he did. Yeah, like I was looking at it and I must say I'm actually one thing about me. It may sound simple, but your illustration is what mm -hmm. sells me comics. Like yes. I know it may, it may sound simple, but so, but I tell people all the time you know a comic is good by how much how much love and effort is put into a, a cover art like yes. i like i tell people all the time even um spider-man no more is one of my favorite comics for spider-man just because of the of the way that the cover art looked it like it, it was peter walking away in a rainy day with with the um with the close up of the Spider Man costume with rain with rain go over it, I got a fascination with water in comics. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but if you make water look good on comics, I'm most likely going to like going to have it's it as a wallpaper or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay, so I want to ask you this question: How important? How difficult was it for your illustrator and you? to get on the same page when it came to realizing your vision? Okay, so here's kind of our process. So when Marco and I first originally talked and we decided to bring him on, um, we came up with this process. So the first thing that we do is we read the script for the episode, we read it together. So, and I do the reading because obviously I'm the writer um, and I emphasize what's important visually for him to communicate. Right. So we, we read the, the entire episode. Um, this is the things that are important. 
And then what he'll do is he will, I think, I think I'm just pretty descriptive because he can see exactly what's in my head, Jason. And sometimes it scares me. <laughs> he can see it so clearly, but he will, he'll do like a thumbnail sketch. Like he'll do three different versions of one page and he'll slightly change the paneling or he'll change the perspective, but um, he'll get like the basic idea down. And then like, we'll go through that and it'll be like, I really like this, or like, this is what jumps out at me, you know, or, you know, let's make sure we see this when you do that perspective, because it's important to the script, stuff like that. And then he'll kind of narrow it down from there and do like one pencil rendering. Right. And then we'll talk about that. And usually at that point, he's the one critiquing himself. I really like this, but I'm going to change the paneling slightly because it would give more emphasis to what you think is important. Right. right. Something like that. And at that point, he'll um, ink that, you know, he might make minor changes at that point, but it's basically done. So okay. he and I, I mean, I think the thumbnail sketches are really where I can give the most input. And after he gets to the pencil rendering, he, he already has it down, okay. you know? And then after he does the ink, it comes to me and I put the text in and, and any kind of sound effects or noise in the background and then it's done. So, um, but like I said, I mean, he's just so good. I mean, <laughs> he really is. Um, but that's why our Kickstarter goal is what it is, is because he's worth every penny. Um, I need, I need some money. I need, you know, that's where I need my support is so that way um, I can afford to pay Marco uh, to, to breathe life to this story because he can see it in his head and, and really breathe life into the story. So that way you as the reader can experience not only Jude's emotion, but everything that's going around in the background, like the bear, the bear's name is uh, Big James. So to really see Big James in all his glory, we got to pay Marco, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. we, need, we need to pay this man so that way he can tell the story, he can tell my story. So that's why it's so important, you know, to, to find the right artist that can really see your vision. Um, yeah. And to be able to, you know, for me to commit to, to Marco to be like, yes, you are worth it because everything that you can see is what I'm trying to communicate, you know? Yeah. So that relationship is so important. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're going forward with your comic, yeah, you got to really be picky about who you choose. Don't just jump on the person because they're cheap or, you know, because it's not necessarily going to tell your story. Um, I've had lots of people tell me like, even your story is really good, but if the art sucks, I lose it. You know what I mean? Like you fall out of the story. Yeah, true. I you think, can't, you can't stick in it. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it is because the reason why comic books are so like reason why comic books work the way they do, because these stories can easily be a story and a novel, but yeah. The thing about comic books and graphic novels is that the not only do the words tell the story, but the pictures themselves, they tell you a story of this world. Like whenever you see a Gotham, all like, yeah. oh, like you can tell that Gotham is a is a dark and evil place because right. because of the light, because of the lighting that it gives off and the, the constant rain and the dirt. So like for your story, I can already tell that there's going to be a lot of barren wastelands, people that are dead and kind of alive in a sense. 
Yeah, but you know what? It doesn't just stay with that. The where Jude goes, it kind of goes all over the place. So you're right. going to see barren wasteland, but you're going to see communities. You're going to see flashbacks to when the fall happened. So it might look normal, but there's just weird crap going on. Yeah, you're going to see, gonna see like. unrest. You're going to see um, people that that are treating it like the apocalypse isn't happening. Right. Um, they're in denial. So there's just, there's so many different things that Jude goes through to, to, oh man, it's a good arc. I want to get you guys to episode eight. Episode eight will knock your socks off, Jason. <laughs> well, I'm definitely. You'll read going, it and be like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to tune in because one thing I've always liked about apocalypse stories, well, good apocalypse stories is that not everything, well, of course, like, yeah, there's like, it's a barren wasteland dystopia, but I do like that i'm an i'm like a little wordy nerd i love to see like how humans adapted yeah to to the world because eventually like yeah oh yeah this is really shitty but i have to live i don't want to die so i've always liked to see how humans interacted with the world and how they adapted that's why i was really into the walking dead show until they just killed off all my favorite characters. I know, I know. But well, I, I mean, if I read the comic book for a long time, and it's like when they started making such drastic changes, I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, but like <laughs> I've always liked a post-apocalyptic stories because I feel like that's where you can get true themes of humanity and society. Because no matter, I've always found it funny. No matter how shitty the world is. Humans will always find ways to indulge in remedial things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not only that, we're ingenious when it comes to working the system. Right. So what I mean by that is, um, if you look at Jude's outfit, he's wearing something on his chest that I call the disc. So we've created technology that's specific to this world. So what happens is... Um, Later on, when the uh, the undead gets, you know, really unpredictable, they start separating the two communities. So we have an unliving community and an undead community. I don't want to go into too much detail. Okay. But one of the things that they that the government does is they create this device that everybody has to wear. So it's kind of like a driver's license. You have to have one to function. And um, you have to turn it on at request. So if you push the big round center button it will show if you have a heartbeat and it will it will actually have the audio of your heartbeat so it's very easy to see you know click on it be like okay you're living or if you click on it and the person is undead it'll have the flat line and be red okay. um so that's you know mandatory so if you die while you're wearing one then you you know and everybody around you knows if it's activated but you know then you have a lot of different issues that can come up with that. Like one, you have to wear it. And if you don't want to wear it, you know, then all of a sudden you're resisting. So when there was riots happening, people were refusing to wear the discs. And then um, the, the police state kind of, uh, I, I don't even know if I want to say that. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Something. But there's technology that's directly related to this world. And the population, if I'm like, if it's technology, we're really good at hacking it. So let's say an undead wants to pass as living. What if they have a hacked disc where if you tap it, it shows a heartbeat? Oh, yeah, that's actually interesting. Now, you know, or yeah. 
Now, I, I have a question because I am a sucker for compa- companions and video games and books. So okay. the so the horse will yes. will the horse actually will you actually will we grow to care about the horse? You don't gotta spoil nothing. I just well, want to know. Okay, because that, that's what I've all I love to. I like one thing I, I loved about The Witcher is playing throughout the Roach. game. Yes, you grow to love like Roach is basically one of Geralt's only friends on the rose, and I've always loved that. Just like in Red Dead Redemption. Even though, yes. even though um, in the second one, yeah, you, there wasn't much you did with the horse, but you spent so much time with that horse, yeah. you grew to love it. And I was sad when I accidentally glitched off a cliff and I had to <laughs> kill my horse. <laughs> you killed your horse? Yeah. Because, because <laughs> one thing about the dang it. One thing about the Red Dead Redemption too is. When your horse is in pain, like my horse, like he broke broke both his legs, and I couldn't reset the world. Like, oh, I, I I have to put him out of his misery. But but I do like that. So hopefully, I'm 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 guessing from what you're saying, we'll grow to love the horse that Jude is with, because yes, I feel like that's a character in itself as well. Yes, of course, of course. Like I said, like that is, that's kind of his roach. If he was the witcher, she would be the roach. Um, And she has a star mark on her forehead. So he lovingly calls her Diana Prince, but for short, he calls her Prince. Okay. So um, you'll find that in the first episode as well. So I'm not really spoiling anything. You're going to know. And yeah. So, I mean, she's a, she's a great character. Um, I I don't want to say too much. (laughs) So, but yeah, she will love Prince. Okay, okay. I'm I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that. So my question for you is, after you finish this comic book series, do you plan on, do you plan on series? Yes. Like, (laughs) like, like once 13 episodes. Yes. Like later down the road, would you, do you plan on doing something else with the property? Like maybe a movie of or a show of some sort some sort yeah yeah okay so I have written the whole like when I first wrote it it was a full-length movie Mm -hmm. okay now I broke it up into episodes when we decided we were going to go the comic book route so there's 13 episodes that I have tirelessly perfected so those are ready to go they're they're not in development they're done so after we, you know, Kickstarter this first one and we succeed, the next one, um, we're already going to start episode two. So it's like we're going to start mass producing these. Um, the, the long-term goal is to present them to a comic book production company and start getting a bigger following. So if we can get into image comics, that's where I want to be. Right. You know? So we might do, need to do like the stepping stone, start with some lower um, smaller, not lower, smaller production companies that still have a lot of value that can help us build our fan base. Oh, don't let me forget to talk about the short films and the Easter eggs. Okay, I got you. Okay. Um, so, you know, go through the different production companies or publish, publish, blah, 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 publishers, publishers, I can't talk anymore, <laughs> publishings. So that way, you know, we can start get the comic series out. And then, yes, once we have that following that's when a production company like a netflix would consider us 
Okay. Um, you know, when I originally wrote it and I was like, you know, this would, this would be, you know, it's home should be on Netflix. That's kind of where I had my eyes set. And then I did some research because I was like, how do you get to Netflix? Like, how do you pitch to them? And the answer is you can't, you have to get an agent. You have to get a literary or production agent and they will only deal with the agent. And that's for their safety and for yours, because if for some reason, um, you know, you, they go on to produce something that's similar to your idea and you sue the crap out of them, oh, they don't yeah. have to pay you millions of dollars oh, yeah, because they stole your idea, right? right? So everything goes through the right channel. But again, they probably get 8,000 scripts across their desk every day. So what is it about my series that would be different? Or do I have a fan base, right? right? So that's kind of what I've looked at, you know, with Netflix, like Bird Box. Bird Box was an award-winning book before it became a Netflix original movie. Right. You know, so that's the route that they take. They want the following already there so that way when they create the movie that the people will watch it. Okay. So that's kind of, where I have, that's my long-term goal is yes, I would love to pitch it to somewhere to see it as a live action. I would love to see it as an animated series as well. I don't know if you watched any of the Castlevanias. I love Castlevania. Oh my Right. I I love Castlevania. That was such a good show. Amazing show. Well, so if, if my, if my story could get that treatment, that would be a success. (laughs) <laughs> well you know right you're gonna you were gonna make it and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully revisit this interview again and probably when we're both bigger and more famous famous right. so, like, you remember when <laughs> we were daydreaming about <laughs> <laughs> so my um question for you is uh we were talking earlier and you you had told me your 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 plans to further yeah. fan engagement with Easter eggs. So, yes. so explain explain that to me. How do you how do you want the fan? How are you going to have the fans engage with the comic? Okay, so like you said, we have primarily the comic book story that follows Jude St. Clair, but the world is so big that there's stuff happening that Jude, it's not in his um, line of sight, right? So we don't really get to experience it in the comic unless Jude gets to experience it. So I thought, why don't we explore some of these other areas with additional content? So there are two ways I'm going to tackle that. Being from production, um, I decided right off the bat, I want to do short films. So with this, when this car Kickstarter is live. If you scroll through the content that I have on the page, there is a commercial that we created for the one of the undead retirement communities. So if you were watching TV in this world, you might see this commercial come on where they're um, you know, telling you about this community and you can come live here and live out your decay stages and not be a threat to the living um, community. And it just walks you through and it talks about what I've done is I've interspliced the serene community with um, images of riots and unrest. So you get like this under this, this feeling of things are not as what they seem. Right. Right. And that's kind of how this world is. It's like uh, on the front, maybe we're telling you the undied retirement community is one thing, but maybe it's not. 
you know, yeah. and it's like where you want this white picket fence, there's people in the streets that are riding and shooting each other and things are on fire. So that's just that one concept that we did. But going forward, the short films are going to be interactive. So if you're part of my Facebook group, that's where all the information goes for these. And people, we're going to have a like a topic like the, um, for episode two, I've already have it all planned. So what I want people to do is to submit 30 seconds of film to me where they're talking about a conspiracy theory. So if you were to put yourself in this world and if uh, someone was interviewing you and, and you had thoughts about what caused the death process to break, what would you say? You know, is it the, you know, so you always have these crazies on the news that are like, yeah, no, I saw those aliens. They came down, they stole my grandmama, you know, and she went flying in the air in her nightgown, but they brought her back two days later, but she ain't right now, you know? So there's so many different takes of conspiracy theories and we can have fun with it. So that's my plan is to have people engage the world and we can, we can use short films is the way that we can experience that together all right and then the last thing that i did with the comic is riddles and easter eggs in scavenger hunts so i am working in a riddle with every single episode that goes out so if you solve the riddle it will take you to a place in the real world either a website or a phone number there could be qr codes there could be it, it, there's so many different things i have planned um and if you solve them, it will lead you to additional content. But you oh. only get that content if you solve the riddles. So <laughs> kind of really made it cool. like a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Just something like I've always loved riddles and, and that type of thing. And it kind of reminds me of like old school comic books. So, so since you love riddles, are you a riddler yeah. girl or are you more of a joker girl? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> Like, I love the Joker for just how ah, he's just so chaotic and um, anarchist. And, and it's just like, he's so unpredictable. And that's what you kind of love about him is that anything goes. And, you know, how his relationship with that, you know, how they, they need each other to survive. Uh, but the Riddler, I love because you want to solve those riddles. It's like, you want to be that person be like, oh, oh, that's what he means that's where he has to go you know yeah so they're both really good characters and i i i don't know i can't pick a team on that one i'm about to say those you, are those are both good i'm about to say you gotta either be team mr j or team or team riddler i don't know i can't pick <laughs> one of those like i could pick over some of the other like i'm not a fan of penguin and like but yeah joker and joker i mean they're not bad characters yeah. but if you had said are you a joker or are you a penguin team i would be joker every time yeah, i mean penguin hasn't really got much love until recently yeah yeah that's true colin farrell <laughs> yeah colin. his makeup was amazing i showed a picture <laughs> to my dad i was like guess who this actor is He's like, i don't know i'm like that's colin farrell He's like, what I'm like yeah <laughs> So I'm I'm guessing you've seen the Batman. I no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Oh no, I, I, oh, no it's on my I, list. Oh no, because I was just going to ask you. Um, I was going to ask you if you've seen it. Is do you think that this is the true, the true portrayal of Batman? Is what I was going to ask you. Um, uh, you know, I really have to see it to make up my own opinion. But 
from what I've heard from my reliable nerd friends is that everybody really enjoyed it and that it's more, like you said, a detective story than any of the other ones, you know? Um, I really enjoyed Batman Begins because it showed like the samurai training and like the, that, you know, conquering your fear and um, that kind of aspect of who Batman is. But you never really get to see the detective side of him in any of those movies. But I'm not a huge fan of Robert Pattinson, but I'll go see what he did. Of course, you know, if you get lost in the movie, it doesn't matter who yeah. the actor is. But, you know, after Twilight, it's just like, meh. I tell, <laughs> I tell everybody all the time because everybody knows him as Edward Cullen. Yeah. I, I never saw Twilight. The first movie. Don't. I, <laughs> Don't. The, the first movie I saw of his is The Lost City of Z. And if you wanna if you wanna see how good of a, how great of an actor he is, Lost City of Z is amazing. Wait a minute. I haven't seen that in a hot second. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. But of course, I saw him in the Harry Potter movies with Cedric Diggory. Yeah, man, he didn't have a very good end in those movies. I mean, that's just a he's a supporting role. He's just basically yeah. there for character development for Harry. So it's not like he really had his time to shine. Um he was fabulous in Tenet. Oh yeah, Tenet. Even so, though, even though I'm still trying to even though I'm still trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one. Like it is cerebral and it's like it's kind of hard to follow all the different timelines, like going forward, going backwards. But I think I think I have it figured out. But Pattinson is really good in there. Um, I enjoyed him in that. So yeah. So but well, like I still have to see the movie, The Batman. Well, I hope list. that you do see it because it is amazing. So is oh, I plan to. <laughs> it is another. Just, it is another nerd. Yeah, it, it's another nerd telling you to go watch it. It'll be on HBO see? Max, and if you don't see it soon, it'll be on HBO Max in about a month, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then we'll just watch it again there because I I love watching things at home on HBO Max. Like when Dune came out, I was like, we're watching this tonight. Like I don't <laughs> care how long it is, I'm watching it tonight. That was a fabulous movie, by the way. Yeah. Nothing but good things to say about that first half. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know what they're gonna do with the second half, but I kind of have like the. I kind of have, I kind of have an idea because I, I was just happy that oh thank God this movie's good because that nineteen was it nineteen eighty one oh that oh that that was with Sting bad. yeah with Sting I like that <laughs> that's bad. the classic one man you have to have some respect for that because they tackled Dune and they did a, a halfway decent job with it but it's like um that book is almost what it's it's, it's written in the 40s it's yeah and that book is thick <laughs> yeah i love that book i'm a huge fan of dune like when we talk about world building frank frank did frank herbert i mean such an amazing job every every single planet has a culture and then there's like the the politics system the feudal system the history behind it like if you really want to dig into some of the things that happened before where they had like the ai wars and why they have mentats and the Bene Gesserit are insane. Like, yeah, and it's, it's nuts. And Dune was so amazing as a property that George yeah. Lucas said, Let me go ahead and just take that from you, real quick. Star Wars, right there. <laughs> Star Wars, honestly, it's so insane now that, like, I didn't really read Dune 
like when I was younger because I was like, oh, that's a thick ass book. It's, it's hard. To but read when I got kid, older, yeah. but when I got older and I just started seeing a lot of these things, like, huh, dude, huh. dude <laughs> already did that. <laughs> dude has did a has influenced a lot of things because Game of Thrones, Star Wars. Yep. I think Lord yeah. of the Rings came before it. I'm not sure. They probably came around the same time because I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm Lord I, of the Rings was first. I think Lord of the Rings was first, but there's some the similarities in both of those properties. And I don't know. I just right. I'm a nerd when it comes to high fantasy. Yes, so me I, too. <laughs> like that's why I was. I loved the uh, the original trilogy, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Mm-hmm can go die somewhere because well the movie i mean he made one book into three movies like come on now yeah the original the original three movies they did such an amazing job with the material yeah now i will say this the rotoscopic ralph batchy lord of the rings that was the true hobbit story i did like that one like the rotoscope cartoon yeah, it, it was the cartoon by Ra- yeah, um, Frodo and the Nine Fingers. Oh, that, no. I advise everybody to go watch that because that is still a great movie. Oh, The Hobbit. And oh, when they were singing, um, what was it? Where there's a whip, there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> like you could still sing the songs if you saw that as a kid, right? Because it's yeah. ingrained in your brain. So. Yeah, I feel you on that. Like we watched those as kids too, and I think it scarred me slightly, and that's why I am the way I am. And, yeah. <laughs> so now we have to. I think we got all the important stuff out the way. Yeah. Now it's time for the fun questions. So oh, I gotta okay. ask you: Are you team? Yeah. Um, when it comes to your what team do you affiliate with when it comes to comics? Like, what is your go-to company? image image comics flat out image comics yeah like uh i know you can't see me because we're on a podcast but like i have a bunch of comics sitting behind me and uh so here's what i have on the shelf behind me i have ghost in the shell and then i have two volumes year one and year two of east of west i have lazarus the first second and third collection i have saga and then i have all four omnibus of the walking dead sitting behind me okay so you were you a true fan yeah we have all the invincibles as well but i wasn't about to carry all those i'm I'm just (laughs) gonna get out of them i started collecting like the i started collecting the volume i said i'm just gonna go buy the omnibus at one point i'm gonna buy the omnibus eventually so right that's what i'm thinking too man like (laughs) it'd be really cool to have a path of the pale rider omnibus So, so um what drew you towards image comics like what what made you gravitate towards image i think we were reading the walking dead at first and this is right around the time when the app became available so we got the app so we could get the episodes of the walking dead as they came out because they would release every tuesday and then we just started exploring what else they had so um we have a lot of stuff on digital too, like nail biter. We have all of the nail biters. Um, and then low, oh, low is fabulous. Um, and then of course you in like East of West is amazing. Have you read East of West, Jason? 
I have not, but I've been eyeing it. Every have you time heard I, of it? I, oh, no, I've heard of it. I've heard very good things about it. But every time I go to the comic book store, it's like it's looking at me say, if you don't buy me already, I know you're eyeing me. Just go ahead and buy me. Yeah, their writer is Jonathan Hickman and the artist is Nick, Nick Dragota. And it's it's just such a fabulous story. It's the four horsemen of the apocalypse wake up in the middle of the desert and they're actually starting the apocalypse but it's like the the united states is different than where we are now it would be like if the civil war happened and uh, we went forward in time from there so i think there's a map in here so like california is chinese territory um there's a St. Louis territory that's owned, you know, like uh, by former slaves or the Freemans. And then there's the South as the Confederacy. Then there's the North. And there's also like the uh, tribe of a thousand nations. So like, uh, uh, like at the Indians all came together, Native Americans, excuse me, all came together and formed one union. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I'm not doing this justice. There's, but I mean, it's just, it's a future from that okay okay and it there the technology is really good the story is excellent the art is phenomenal like i can't say enough about this yeah so i'm, I'm gonna get to it eventually well one thing i gotta get a comic book so i can start putting some of these comics comics away so okay now what team image <laughs> <laughs> okay so you say your team image right so yeah. I, I have a question for you because I get mixed responses. Do you like the Spawn comics? Yeah. Because I've always heard that, like me, I've read only a few of them, but a lot of people say that some of the older Spawn stories, they're not that good. It's like, I. Yeah, I think I was exposed to Spawn maybe in high school. And at that time, it was it was a, a nitty gritty, you know what I mean? Like it right. was dark compared to most things, you know, it's Todd McFarland. And um, I gravitated towards that as a young adult, you know, the story that he was a mercenary and he went to hell and he, um, uh, you know, the devil became one of the devil's soldiers and is back on earth and then realized what had happened and decided to go rogue. That's an amazing story. Right, you know, and that this nasty ass clown is supposed oh. to be his guide, and um, I don't, I didn't like the movie. I don't think the movie did I, the property I, justice. I love Michael Jai White, but that movie, that movie can go to hell with Spawn. I know, even <laughs> but, John, John Leguizamo too. I mean, like they had good people, they had the right people. It's just that when they made it, I don't think the technology was advanced enough to really do the story justice. And, you know? Yeah, and also something told me because I love John Leguizamo too. Uh, John Leguizamo too. But then I thought about it. during that time he did have a bad run of movies too. I, did. Yeah, because I don't know. If you, remember, you remember that movie, The Pest? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Yeah, but like, but you know, on the bright side, Todd McFarlane, he did say that he would come back and do Spawn, but I think with Jamie Foxx this time. Well, they've been talking about it, right? I don't know if it's, it's ever going to get off the ground, but that's the plan for Jamie Foxx to play Spawn, which 
I would hope he, for me personally, I just can't see Jamie Foxx as Spawn just for some fact of you, when you replacing Michael Jai White, Michael Jai White is a big dude. Yeah. And 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 like, he's a phenomenal martial artist too. So I I mean, like, I don't know if Jamie is the same. I mean, like, he's got the star power. Yeah. I think that's the thing too. You have to have somebody with the martial art, with the martial arts at Ackerman. But you also have to have the star power behind it. That's why. That's why you really don't need the martial art. You don't because he wears a mask, yeah. <laughs> and you can have as many stunt doubles as you want. Yeah. Well, well, well reason to say like first of all, you got to find somebody as big and defined as Michael Jai White. He's a big. That's guy. that's the thing. The, mu- <laughs> the, big... the yeah, the muscle set. You know. Yeah, the like body I, type. I met him in person. I'm like. This is a big man. <laughs> this, this is a gigantic man. Yeah, yeah. I haven't met him in person, but I believe you. Because <laughs> I've seen his movies, so I know. So Okay, so um, we've had a, a lot of comics adapted into TV shows yes. and movies. What would you love to see as a movie or TV adaptation? Ooh. I don't know. I love them so much just as comics right. that I don't know. You know what I mean? Like we've seen zombie stuff. Oh, no, no. I do have one. I want to see Nailbiter. Nailbiter is fabulous. Have so you heard of is, Nailbiter? What, okay. what is that? Nailbiter is, it's a town. I forget where it is. There's a town that notoriously is known for producing people that turn into serial killers like um it, it yeah there's like a serial killer hall of fame and um one of them was the guy i forget his name but they called him nail biter and he was a cannibal but he would chew on people's fingers to the bone Ooh. so he's one of the characters so it's like something is happening people are are dying in this town um and they're trying to figure out why everybody, you know, people keep turning into serial killers from this town. So something is happening in this town. So I, there's two people. It's a um, an ex-cop um, <laughs> who, when you meet him, was about to pull the trigger into his own mouth. Um, so he's, he didn't, yeah, he's a dark guy. And then um, there's a woman who's a reporter. And so together, the two of them end up on this quest and... I forget how he either he's there or he gets out of jail. I forget how the nail biter is involved, but there's he's involved in it as well. So that there's, you know, the escapades with the three of them, and then there's another young woman uh, who's involved in the, just trying to figure out what's going on in this city. So it's it's good and gory. There's twists and turns. Um, it'll keep you on the edge of your seat, but I think it's well within the realm of possibility for them to produce it. It's not so outlandish with technology where there would be like lots of CGI or anything like that. Right. Because sometimes when it's like way out there, it would be really difficult to turn it into a live action. Like true. Um, low, I've talked about low. Low is a post-apocalyptic future where the sun is so hot that people can't live on the surface anymore. So everybody lives in colonies in the ocean oh wow and yeah this one family um this man and his wife and his two there's two little girls and their older brother is this family 
And right in the first episode, they introduce them and he's special. The dad is special because he has this underwater suit of armor and there's only a few of them left. And he, it's like hooked into your DNA. So you have to be part of this family in order to pilot it. Okay. Okay. Um, so they're exploring and like their mom is this like, (laughs) she's a diehard optimist where she believes that people one day will go back to the surface and that she's she keeps looking for sources of life up there through technology like she'll fly a drone up there and look for signs of life but never can find any but um oxygen is running out in these colonies so they're starting to like society is starting to break down because people think the end is near um because if you can't go up and you can't stay here everybody's gonna die um so it's just it's a it's a it's an interesting story but again 90 percent of it is underwater or with like real futuristic technology, um, I just don't think that they could turn it into a live action because of that. Like it wouldn't be production wise, it would be really difficult. It might be really good animated, but unless you have the the guy that actually did the art in the comic book, why bother? Right. Which also is going to bring me to my next question for you. So we've seen plenty of comic book adaptations and book adaptations done well why do you think that it's so hard to get video game and and manga or anime adaptations right (laughs) um why i think there's been a lot of manga that has been turned into series that have been and have been done well but animated not live action like oh my god the live action the live action attack on titans was just terrible um I think it has to do with the fact that the manga a lot of times is very futuristic. And again, I think it's um, technology wise, either they don't have the funding to spend the big dollars on the CGI or the production companies trying to cut corners and not spend the money. And so it just comes out hokey. Um, like the ghost in the shell movie was just terrible. Um, I don't know. Video games, I think there's too much content right because you can play a video game forever if you really wanted to if you play all the side quests yeah right right. so unless you've cut out 90 percent of the experience it won't be a a full-length movie you'll have way too much content i mean they're trying to make the halo into a series and that might work if you turn it into like an ongoing series yeah i think because yeah i I think that's the thing i think that video game movies unless you know you're going to get multiple i think they should only be done in series because i i gotta tell you i sat on this and thought on this for a while like i i thought that the uncharted movie was decent as a movie just a movie like a a basic summer act like it should have been like it should have been but it it released perfectly to be in jane in um in the early months but as a count as a video game movie that thing is bad. Like I was just watching, like Aww. I like wow. I waited years for this when you could have had Nathan Fillion the whole time. <laughs> what the but, heck, man? Yeah, but uh, production is such is so hard. Like you could have a great script, and and see, this is what I was afraid of too. Like I wasn't ready to go to Netflix and be like, "Here's my script," and they would be like, "Who are you?" Oh, you're yeah. a brand new writer here's a check for five thousand dollars goodbye and then just bastardize my material right? right because that happens where they bring in other writers 
or an editor is like, I have too much material and they edit the, the crap out of your stuff. And then all of a sudden it makes no sense. Um, you can have actors that, that ruin things. You can have production delays. You can have, I mean, there's so many things that can happen to F up a good story in a movie that to me, it's amazing when you get a really good movie and it right. costs, you know, like, like Dune, like Dune was fabulous. It cost so much money but it was edited well, the fights were good, the acting was good, they had the right star power, everything was done right. And that's so few and far between these days, it's almost like a miracle when one goes through. <laughs> right, right. It's like, how many, how many video game um, shows have been just disasters? <laughs> I mean, Street Fighter, um, Mortal Kombat, um, did they make a last of us yet or are they still filming that did that they're, come out they're still filming that but i'm hopeful because that is going to be a series and they series got, and they got the great pedro pascal playing joel which okay. I, can work, I can work with so but yeah i mean i'm concerned know, right <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned a little because like i guess because i have such a love for those properties right like, oh resident evil Doom. i didn't want i didn't like, want to I talk about just, I don't want to talk about Resident Evil. That that last Welcome to Raccoon City just broke that. If you if you go back and listen to my review, I, I hate that movie. But the cartoons are good. The I mean, anime is good. The live action is crap. I mean, I mean, I love Alice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but but the only reason why the why the animated ones work is just because you're just watching cutscenes of the game, basically. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Maybe they'll get it right eventually. Hopefully. Who knows? I don't know. It's Sonic so was, hard. Sonic was good. <laughs> yeah, my kids love Sonic. It was I, funny. I, I love <laughs> Sonic. Jim Carrey made it. <laughs> Jim Carrey, like, even yeah. though Jim Carrey is just crazy. Yes. <laughs> but he is literally nuts. But he was perfect for Eggman, though, or Dr. Yeah, Robotnik yeah. because he's crazy. Exactly. I don't know how much of that was Jim Carrey just being Jim Carrey or how much of it was the script. And that's usually what happens with Jim Carrey movies. They're just like, just be Jim. I'm about <laughs> to say, I don't think he even gets the script in movies anymore. <laughs> like, you just dress him up and then he goes. There you, you know, go. Figure it out. <laughs> but so, Okay, so we get into the, towards the t- tail end of the interview. Yeah. So, oh, man, I was trying. I was trying to play a little trivia game with you. But I can't, yeah. I can't, I don't know how to share my audio without sharing the screen because I wanted to play a name that tune with you. Oh, cool. So, you know what? As a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to get this set up. Ah, oh, can I? Okay. Let me see. I wonder if I can have it to where I'm only showing the audio. Yep. Oh, that, cool. All right. So, are, are you only hearing the sound? It says sharing computer sound. Okay, so you're not seeing the screen. Okay, cool, good. I'm gonna edit this. Out. I'm gonna edit that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that you couldn't. I'm gonna make sure you couldn't um, hear the sound. I, I mean, I mean, see the see the picture, see the screen. Right. So what we're going to do is a first on this on this interview series. We're going to play name that tune. Because um, I'm like you said, I'm pretty sure you were. Uh, you were big on the on the on the Saturday morning cartoons, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Well, let's see. I will see. Let's see if I can pull it out of my memory bank. Let's All right. Do so it. We go. <laughs> I'm gonna give you five of them. We, we, we gonna, okay. go, gonna do five, and I'm gonna start off easy. I'm gonna start with the easy ones, but towards the tail end, they're gonna get a little bit harder. Okay. So, here is the first one. Let me go ahead and play it. And also, I'm, I'll play, okay, I will give you leeway, and I will play the first 15, I'll, I'll play the first 30 seconds of it. Okay. I might, I, yeah, just see what I need. Previously. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> you could. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. Name this tune. Okay, okay. <laughs> Already knew. Okay. Yeah. Hmm, let me see. <laughs> what else can I play? Ooh. Okay. Uh trying to I'm trying to really find one that doesn't have the lyrics in it. The name, yeah. Okay. Hold up. All right, name this tune. Spider-Man. Okay. Spider-Man. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you getting it now. I'm I'm a now. I'm gonna go into some deep cuts now. Okay, let's see. Uh-huh. All right, let me see. Name this. T- Name. I want to say Darkwing Duck, but I could be wrong. Is that your final answer? Oh, I don't know. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, is that your final answer? Going once. Shoot. All right. A dark wing duck. Not wrong. Yeah, wrong. Who is it? What is it? Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Oh, come on. <laughs> so I was you, like, it's, it's, I was close. So you were close. You were, you were close. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. We used to watch that show. Oh my God, that one episode with the the mice that were in the cult, the soda cult. <laughs> and they were like, come along, you belong, feel the fizz. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Okay, so all right. So okay, so you two, you two for three. That's not bad. That's, That's not bad. All right. We got some more. Oh yeah, we got we got two more. All right. All right, Lori. Name this tune. Then caring, da, 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 da. gummy bears, right? Yeah, okay, you got that one. Okay, gummy bears jumping here and there and everywhere. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I, I got drink okay. the juice. Last one. I got to think of something hard. Nah. <laughs> seem a little bit. God. Seem like you know your Saturday morning cartoons. Man, like it's bringing back some memories. Okay. Uh. All right, name this tune. 
All right. All right. I, I'm going to take a flying leap on this one and say Earthworm Jim. No, you ah. The answer is Cubics. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> That's such an old cartoon. Hey, but you you guys was it three of three out of five? That's not bad. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's not bad. Why? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So now I'm gonna ask you, what is your Mount Rushmore of Saturday morning cartoons? If you had to pick a Mount Rushmore. Well, I'm still going to stick by my answer of 90s X-Men, but like a real close running with that we used to watch is all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle um, cartoons. Like those, those were just what we watched. What else did we watch? And of course, the Batman series. The Batman series was on after school, but I'm going to stick with my answer and say, you know, X-Men. Um, that just had like so many characters that you could fall in love with. And there was a good story and like the whole Dark, dark Phoenix saga played when i was a kid and it just it sucks you in you know okay so just being different and finding your people and it's okay you know to be different everybody fell in love with wolverine around that time you know he was oh, the yeah. character I everybody want my, wanted to be him i want my live action five foot four wolverine y'all there you go <laughs> that's how tall he is yes like i need yeah. my i need my short wolverine Okay, so you said that's one of the faces on your Mount Rushmore. Who okay, so then I okay, so I need three more. So then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which um, iteration though? The cartoon, the nineties cartoons. Okay, the nineties cartoon. Okay, because yeah, I think that yeah they've had like so many different iterations of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, have you read the new one where it's I, just one brother left? Oh yeah, the last. Uh, I think it's the last Ronin. I think I think that's what it's yes. called. Yes. Yeah. I've, so good. People have been telling me about that. I just have not gotten to it yet, but I'm going to read it. Okay, I won't tell you who it is then, because I, I, you do find out which brother it is. Yeah, I, it got spoiled for me. So, ah, dang it, who did it? Not I right. mean, I kind of figured it when when I when, like they told me like you know what that I feel like they would have did that anyway because he's the least likely to be on his yeah, own. Yeah, that is true. So okay, um, so. but yeah, '90s cartoons that um. Let's see. I'm gonna. Oh, Sorry, it's two I wanna, more. I put. I, yeah, I want to put Animaniacs up there. Okay, that's Animaniacs. A good, that's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. Because it was funny as a kid. It's even funnier as an adult. They had all sorts of cameos. Um, it was very like Looney Tunes-ish, but still like educational. Um, it was such a good series, and I mean, like we still quote stuff like today, like "Hello, nurse," you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> such a good series. So I'm gonna have Animaniacs up there, and let's see. So one more. Mm -hmm. So somebody going people mm -hmm. gonna get left out of this one. Oh, and it has to be like when I was a kid. Cartoons. Well, no, it can kid. it can just be any Saturday morning or Saturday morning or um. Saturday morning cartoon or afternoon late um afternoon or after school cartoon, but but this is your Mount Rushmore of cartoons. Can I pick a not a cartoon and say Power Rangers? You know what, Power Rangers is a cartoon. <laughs> I mean, I used to watch the live action as a kid, and that really influenced me as well. Um, I mean, it's it's so sappy when you go back and watch it as an adult, but 
I was glued to the screen. It's it so was cheap. it was so bad, right? It's, it's so bad. It's, it's so horrible, but I mean, yeah, it was back on Netflix, I think, for a short time, and I was like, "Girls, let's watch!" Oh my gosh, you know, Power and Rangers. Your girl, and and your, girl probably, your girl probably looked at you like, "Mom, why you do this to us?" Right, and they were <laughs> like, "Why are we watching this?" And I was just like, "This was great when I was a kid." I'm like, "I don't know. you go watch it again. It just doesn't age well." But like the the Green Ranger to White Ranger series, that that was amazing when I was a kid and that really influenced me as well. I mean, that was before I was doing martial arts and I wanted to be a martial artist. Oh, right. So, you know, yeah. kind of. Everybody wanted to be like Tommy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's well, like, how does he have a sword flute? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, cr- Power Rangers was so influential. Jason David Frank, he will still suit up to do scenes as the, as the uh, white and green ranger yeah wasn't there like a, a few years ago there was like um a red what do you want to call it it's not like a red trailer but there was like a um a fan made oh, yeah, a fan. power rangers and he was in it and like what's her name she was starbuck in Battlestar galactica yeah i know you're talking oh, about because it was somebody had to cut a trail somebody had cut a short film to, mm-hmm. to like if if Power Rangers was rated R, which I like, yes. that is actually pretty interesting. It was so good, and he was in it, and I was like, yes, yeah, like I, Power Rangers is a cartoon. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna cl- we're, then they're up on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, like like Power Rangers is a cartoon, but it and that's a good choice because it's really inspirational, and like a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize. Power Rangers, it didn't originate in the in the States. No, it's it's Voltron. <laughs> yeah, it's Voltron right? like Super Sentai Warriors is basically what they are. Yes. And the, the Ginyu Force was modeled after the Power Rangers. And right. I didn't really pick up on that until I went back and watched Dragon Ball Z. Like, these are the Power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> oh, Dragon Ball Z is a good one too, man. I mean, there's just so many good ones to pick. We used to watch that too, and like I think most of it went over my head at that time. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, like Dragon Ball Z was more of the appetizer for anime. It got you, it yeah. got your feet wet in the anime. But then when you started watching the more serious tone stuff, like Berserk, Death Note, Cowboy Death Bebop, Note. which is still one Cowboy of my favorite. Bebop, oh, so my favorite. I was so disappointed in the live action. Like really? I think they had the. Okay, I think they had the right people. Um, I think a lot of the scripts fell flat. Like they couldn't quite get the relationship between them. What? Plus, there was a whole thing with Spike being the 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 cat with two different color eyes and that and that couldn't die. Yeah. Well, I'll Do you say remember this. that from the animated series? Yeah, I remember that. I'll I'll say this. I was enjoying Cowboy Bebop live action. Until yeah. until them last two fucking episodes. What's the episode with LeFou? Like that one, I was so disappointed because when you watch the LeFou cartoon, That's... was that one of them? It was that the clown. Yes. Oh yeah. See, I I knew from the trailer like, this is gonna look stupid, and it even did. Yeah. Look... <laughs> but then again, I. But like that's just something in live action you can't do because it's just gonna look ridiculous. Oh. 
But, no, and like that episode was so groundbreaking. Like they had music and it was like an acid trip and you really were afraid of this character, how terrifying he was and insane and like how he was afraid of Spike because Spike had the two different color eyes and it had to do with the cat that the research scientist had when that used to like run experiments on him. None of that came through. I just feel like, okay, my thing about it is when I reviewed it, I gave it like a set, a six and a half, a seven at the time. I would have, because the the first half, the first seventy five percent of the of it, I was actually really enjoying it. Cause like, wow, they actually, this is the one anime adaptation that actually tried to look like, tried to look like the anime. But the things, yeah. but what they did with uh, vicious and the love interest, like I. Oh, I was so mad about that. Like, she was a badass character in the cartoon. You know what I mean? She she didn't take crap. She was part of the syndicate. She yeah. was a, a contract killer. I mean, like, when, Valen, when Valentine was with her, she was, like, just blown away by the badassery of this woman. And they just turned her into this damsel in distress until, like, the very last episode. And I was and, just like, mm, and I'm not, I don't buy it. And they took away one of the iconic shots from the first encounter of Vicious and Spike. So I was like, yeah, this is a this is a very, very low. Like I, I I hated it at that point. But at first I was really I was really liking it because I like John Cho as, as Spike. Yeah. Um what's his name who played Bushmaster Luke Cage as um uh, what's his name? Jet Jet. Jet, yeah. He was, he had some of my favorite scenes. And then I liked, um, uh, what's the chick's name? Uh, the actress, I'm not sure her name, but Valen, Valentine or whatever. Yeah. Is I her feel like she did, name. I feel like she did good. I liked the cast. It was just the story. The thing I was so worried about with the Cowboy Bebop adaptation is Cowboy Bebop's storytelling was kind of frenetic. It was kind of frenetic too in the anime yeah. because it was like it was like it was literally episodic we didn't really get the right. main we got the main story in the background but on the forefront was them doing bounties so right for a lot of for me i didn't mind the route they took in the in the live action at first because i was i'm used to seeing that in the in the anime but if you're a casual netflix fan you're like what's going on <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anybody got it. Um, but that, tree, I mean, but the Tree People episode, I loved. I loved how they did a new take on the um on the eco terrorist. I actually did like that episode. Yeah. That. <laughs> oh, there's just so much good material in Cowboy Bebop, and like they really didn't explain the data dog. You know, yeah. they just, I mean, there was so many other things, and then of course they didn't have, um, what is her name? Until the very last episode. Uh, uh, I uh, I forgot. I know who you're talking about. The, um, the, the crazy smart, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the crazy smart one. Which is, I think. Yeah. I think I think they hinted that that they were autistic. I think too, because she, because she um or so she has some type of social disorder because you could tell in, yeah. in, the, in the anime she didn't work well socializing i forgot her name or his we're gonna name. look it up i'm gonna look it up yeah and she's transgender too yeah which was really now i think about it, that was kind of groundbreaking 
and back so- then it was yeah so I was like I'm surprised they didn't capitalize on that but she was so funny um just her character in general like would just do so many crazy things in the background you're like what is she doing <laughs> yeah, like, it was just, just so entertaining and then she wasn't there Edward Hello. oh Edward yeah Ed, yeah Ed. <laughs> I don't know why but yeah I'm I was hoping they would get a season two because maybe they could have explored more of the more interesting episodes like the like the uh like the man who like who was stuck in who was had a kid body and couldn't die i was yeah hoping, i was because that was one of my favorite early episodes couldn't see that but like, eh, I, I guess i guess it wasn't wasn't meant to be yeah it's too bad and that's and that's my point like so many things in production like have a good cast and have a good script and maybe the editing is what fell flat i don't know something happened that made something that could have been a real winner not be a winner and then is and then doesn't get renewed so and and the choreography was sloppy too the fight it just looked really it it looked really really stiff and sloppy it looked cool we weren't there for the yeah we weren't there for the fight choreography honestly (laughs) but spike's choreography could have been a lot better john cho can actually fight yeah maybe just because i've seen so many i was so spoiled by the raid that as like i need all my fight <laughs> scenes I need that's all- my martial art dude that's oh yeah lot. yeah because yeah. i was about to say i was about to say that sounds familiar like i guess what was the name from the raid that's his the that's raid yeah and i was just like that's why I, that's one of my favorite martial arts movies of the modern era just because of how tight how tight the choreography just looked and like how he fought it just and the fact that I was going to get a, a Deathstroke movie set, uh, like based around the way that the raid was shot, I was like, oh, that made me hate Joss Whedon even more because uh, Joss, Joss Whedon legit ruined, ruined the future of those movies. He did. Because I was like, what is even going on? This was never, what is, like, who is this chick? It's not even who this is in the, uh, don't get me started. <laughs> But yet, I have had so much fun with you tonight. Wish we could yeah, go this was a good talk. I'm we sure we could talk for another we, hour. We could about talk for another hour. Stuff. I don't think the people want to hear our annoying voices. <laughs> no, they're probably time. like, are you done yet? <laughs> but, <laughs> but before we leave, um, let the people know where they can find you and where your Kickstarter, what your Kickstarter is all about. Yeah, so Path of the Pale Rider, again, um, comic book. Um, I'm on a lot of different social media. I have a Facebook group called Path of the Pale Rider. That's kind of my baby. Um, that's what gets all the updates first. Um, that's where like all the new art goes, all the updates, everything. Um, we also have an Instagram, Path of the Pale Rider. Um, we have uh, TikTok, Path of the Pale Rider, <laughs> but it's path underscore of underscore the underscore underscore writer so it takes a little okay. work to put it in uh, we have a website www.pathofthepalewriter.com um, we have a twitter at path pale writer i mean we're, we're just about everywhere we've been working on this for a while so our, our social media um you know following is we we have a, a bunch of stuff out there but if you want to participate in stuff like these short films you got to be part of the facebook group Okay. That's the one that gets all that information. Um, the Kickstarter will go live on April 15th. 
Um, we're going to have a 30 day campaign. We're hoping to get funded, you know, pretty quickly. We're trying to raise $4,550. Um, most of that is going towards art production. And then of course we have some merch and then there's shipping supplies and all that fun stuff. Print, print is probably another big portion of that budget, okay. of course, because we got to print all these different things, but I have, um, there's going to be four different covers to choose from. My illustrator, of course, is doing the main cover. Um, his name is Marco DeFillo. He's a fabulous artist and he has an Instagram as well. It's Marco DeFillo Art. Um, you can find him on Instagram. Um, so he has a cover. I have three covers by um, other artists that were participating in this. So I have one from um, Jose Martinez. I have one from David Rodriguez, who are both part of Path of the Pale Rider in a previous rendition. And then um, a good friend of mine, Everett Watkins, who is uh, a comic book creator in his own right. He's a writer and illustrator of the series Boog, B-O-O-G. So you can find him on Instagram as well as I think he's Watkins Inc. Art. But um, lots of really good art, lots of really talented artists. So um, you'll be able to choose from there. Of course, I have a um, like a $10 PDF copy of the comic, which, you know, would kind of start you off. And then like at $15, you can get a physical copy and a PDF copy of the comic. So I think that's a, a pretty generous level. I have an early bird special where we're running um, a one time run sticker. We're going to do that with every episode that goes out. So the the first 50 people that sign up for the early bird level will get a, a sticker along with their physical copy. And then once those are gone, those are gone. Um, and then it just goes up from there. So we have merch like uh, keychains, and um, I have patches that were worn in the, um, the short film. So my rioters were all wearing a patch that says dead out, um, dead inside, still human, wait, dead outside, still human inside. Okay. So that's a level where you can get patches that were actually worn in the in the riot scene. Um, I have t-shirts. I have all sorts of stuff. My favorite level, of course, is the $100 level, uh, because not only do you get a copy of each one of the covers, a physical copy, you get all the merch, but Marco will actually draw your likeness into a future episode. Ooh. Yeah, we call that level immortality. I might have to might have to mess around and get immortal there. Yeah, because we're gonna put you in the comic book, so you will be around forever. Because this is a, a forever thing, right? As soon as we right. print a copy and it's in publish, it's in publication, then your face will be out there forever. No guarantees that we don't immediately kill you off, because that's what <laughs> I think is funny. So, but you'll be at least be able to see yourself for like one or two pages before we put a bullet through the brain. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm cool. In with this that. world, it means nothing, though. I mean, you can still walk around and be undead, and that's how it works. Well, you know, I don't mind dying because, in the words of Samuel Jackson, when he got killed off of Re Revenge of the Sith, just make it look cool. That's, that's all right. I ask. <laughs> <laughs> I already have my death scene picked out. I was like, Marco, I want to be in this episode, and this is how I want to die. He was like, oh, Okay, Lori. He's like, You don't want your character to be around? I'm like, Uh uh, I want to die immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because I think that's funny, <laughs> man. Once again, Lori, this has been really fun, and y'all go support her because she is a very talented person, and she has sold me on Path of the Pale Rider. I will definitely 
be signing up for the Kickstarter. Yeah, if, if you guys join the, the Facebook group, I have links all over the place where you can click on the, the pre-launch page and it will, you can sign up to be reminded when we go live. So like we're, we're obviously a little bit early, we're still in March. So if you sign up on the pre-launch page, it will email you when we go live so you don't miss out. Cause I want you to get some of the early perks you know, if you want a sticker that's we're only going to print 50, if you want a sticker, you got to get in there because we're going to get we're going to get funded pretty quick. OK, OK. Well, y'all heard it here first. Path of the Power Riders Kickstarter will be starting on April 18th, right? Or 15th? 15th, 15th April 15th. So, mm-hmm. yeah, y'all y'all put that in your calendars because you you're going to be part of history. That's right. And then you can be part of the fun. We can get you in the short films and you can solve the riddles and go from there. There's lots of fun stuff that we're going to do. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, Lori, it has been really fun. But alas, our time has come to an end. Yeah, but that's okay. I had a blast. (laughs) Oh, oh, I had I had fun, too. But y'all, just like how she is supporting our her baby, how she wants you to support her baby, support my baby here. Bring the popcorn. We are, you can always join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash bring the popcorn. I spelled it so many times, so hopefully you guys can spell it. Um, Mm -hmm. You can also email with any questions, comments, concerns, or if you want to make jokes at me, I might read them on the show at bring the popcorn 93 at gmail.com. And and like I said, y'all, I'm working on stuff such as watch parties for us. I'm trying to get a Bucky the Popcorn Bucket plushie going on. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of stuff that I'm working on for you guys. But yeah, just keep on supporting. That's all I ask. But, but guys, like I always tell you, when you come to these interviews and reviews, just remember to always bring the popcorn. Okay, everybody, we are out.